Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp, and welcome back for another episode of the Keto Naturopath. Today is going to be a different day, unlike all the other podcasts, I will presume, because I want to tell you more about how I'm feeling than some sort of intellectual information to put out there, but it's there is a connection. Bear with me, there is a connection. And that is that I had a good friend of mine die of COVID in these last few weeks. Uh, he obviously was not somebody who's following my you know, keto progress, uh, keto anything, or protein sparing modified fast, or that he was in a different world. We knew each other uh, independent from health. And I remember knowing him, oh, about 10 years ago, that how I mentioned a couple of things about his health and said, you know, you really have to change the way you're eating as he got another, you know, uh, 64 ounces of Mountain Dew because we were driving someplace. And I said, that stuff is going to kill you. So what do you do with that? I'm not looking for fault. I'm not looking for blame. I'm looking for, and, and let me add a few le- levels here. I'm he was uh, very heavy. He was uh, Samoan. I think he might have been born in Samoa. Certainly his family was very close to Samoan. Uh, he was a big guy, as you can quite imagine. And he was very heavy in terms of fat as well. And so that was kind of, he had an um, ethnic predisposition because his Polynesians and Samoans in particular have very high rates of diabetes and obesity. That's kind of out there and that's how we see them. And they think they are the largest ethnic group in national football are Samoans, by the way, because they're so big and built like tanks. But that also is a population that's highly obese, not just muscled, and uh, pre-diabetes and diabetes, as is most of Polynesia up that way. So you can only say so much. You're not going to change somebody's life. You know, where do you intervene? And um, all these, every time you go to a funeral or you hear of somebody who has died, whether they're a family member of yours in any generation, parents, grandparents, perish the thought that it's your siblings, perish the thought that it's your sons and daughters and nephews or nieces. But this is how life is. And so you do reflect and part of that reflection and knowing that a couple of times we had talked about health, not like it was one-on-one, hey, Dr. Goldcamp, hey, Carl, let's talk about health. No, we're talking about other things. And to be able to say, 
you know, that's way over the top. That stuff is not good for you. And this was pretty black or white. So there is that. So how do you reach in to that soul, to that context? I like to use the word context a lot because we all have different contexts. We are not uniformly the same. How do you reach into that context and saying, hey, maybe we could do something differently? I think back those times of a good decade or two ago or throughout the that period that there wasn't an obvious need other than him being a big guy, but he's from a population of big guys. So that's not that big of a difference other than he might be a much higher body fat percentage than his compatriots um, and his family members. They were all big, hefty. And it was almost an element of unverbalized pride that they were big and hefty, and that's just how they were. So I don't know how how you can reach into those contexts, other than if it's if you know. I'm not saying it's certainly outside of. Hey, he wouldn't be listening to these podcasts. He wouldn't be in the Facebook groups that we're involved in. None of that would be. So it's a whole different context of reaching across. I was to his churches a couple times and knew him a little bit from that. Mostly I knew him from just uh, friends of friends and uh, we went on certain uh, activities together and so on. So I'm not quite sure I could have done much there. Uh, his father had recently died and his mother or his grandmother had recently died. And so he had enough deaths close to him in the last couple months to maybe have that moment of reflection happen. But I think... Um, it was kind of baked into who they were. We're, We are big people. We eat what we eat, and that's the way it goes. So that's unfortunate. He was 49, five children, eldest 25, youngest uh, under three, and um, and a loving wife. And now they're doing, you know, they have to fundraise for burial expenses. So apart from that, the larger issue that I want to get to is uh, in part, it's my belief, how much can I substantiate in terms of giving you actual information and how much can I say, this is what I feel. So myself and my wife have had COVID. That was a year and a half ago, year year ago, um, last September. So about a year and a half ago, coming up on a year and a half. And uh, it was like a bad flu. Did I feel in any way uh, life-threatened? Not at all. I felt the uncomfortableness that comes from having the flu, you know, the body aches and all that. But um, we were renting a house at the time that really had a fungal uh, infection of its own. So that I think that contributed to a rather prolonged, protracted uh, upper respiratory kind of infection. Never had to have antibiotics. I uh, self-treated uh, with glutathione, and it, there's a whole protocol. If you're interested, you can go to our Facebook group, and it's in the files, and it's for free. So it's all those things I did, and I think that they helped me. Uh, in no time did I feel, and nor did my wife feel that we were threatened. It's just like, you know, you're, you've got the flu, get over it. And then we got Omicron when we were with another meeting, a business meeting, uh, to work together for a weekend. It was very clear. Uh, this is the person who had come. There was three of us going to be working together that uh, she was a carrier. As she said, she was the uh, typhoid Mary of the group. Um, 
And oh, well, we all get it from someplace. And that was a flu too. We were over it in five days and it was uncomfortable and the flu's uncomfortable. We know that. So what's the difference? Why do I even bring this up? Well, I, I do believe fitness is not necessarily a vanity metric. I think fitness, uh, and that means muscle mass, that means fat mass, that means not being so ideological in what you're eating, but being aware of what you're eating. You know, whether it's a macro level, hopefully it's deeper than that, that you have a little nutrient level having a real food. And so the degree that you have greens that you think about organic versus not because you, why you want to do that? Because you want to avoid the pesticides in the very least. And there's some research saying organic veggies have greater nutrients. That's a, 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 I would put that as a minor issue. The major issue is you're choosing not to have pesticides in your food. Uh, the other would be obviously the the meat sources or the protein sources, which would be the fish, you know, the the mollusks, the pork, the game, the beef, the lamb, the turkey, the chicken, the poultry in general, all those things. You try to get them as cleaner sources as you can afford. This isn't like, oh, you have to have a grass ranged beef. No, if you can afford it and it's available to you, go for it. It will be better. Um, you'll have far less omega-6 and that's a good thing. But if you're like us, you are where you are and you go from the various grocery stores that you have around and you choose what you can afford and the cuts of meat that you like. But So that's the context, but the context has to be at least that deep. What we don't do, we don't do starches, we don't do the cookies, we don't do, we, if we do treats, we make them. So we do make ice cream, which is non-dairy, which is a kind of a coconut based. Um, we don't really even do that that much. Maybe twice a year, we do do dairy in the way of a celebratory cheesecake, whether it's for Judy's or me, and I can only have so much of that. Oh, I love it. Who doesn't love it? But um, I'm not going to eat the whole cake. Otherwise, I will have just a very congested head and perhaps um, lower respiratory lungs, you know, very mucousy. But I know I can have a little and get away with it. So I, I do love cheese. I don't have much cheese because I know the effects it has on me. So I have special moments for that. But the awareness is what I'm talking about, not my list of foods and not necessarily your list of foods. And nor do I want to criticize your list of foods. You have them. You know what they are. You can visualize them right now as we're talking, as I can visualize mine as, as I'm talking here as well. And that has to change. Unfortunately, we are not of 100 years ago in which we didn't have to think about pesticides and didn't have to think about, oh my gosh, what do they do to the food that I'm about to eat? Meaning the the beef, the pork, the chicken, the turkey, the fish, you throw it in there, right? And so we now have another layer, an educated layer that we have to sort of pass this food through. So yeah, if we want fish, we have to think about, ah, yeah, there is mercury pretty much in all fish. What fish can we really comfortably have no mercury in? And that would be the smaller, the better, right? The, the sardines, the mackerel, you can actually get the, uh, the rainbow trout and you can get the salmon, of course. And people say, well, those are expensive. You're right. Well, then choose the other ones. But we need that. We evolved along the seacoast and we're very much an omega-3 kind of individual. That's very important for all of our, whether it's brains or neurons for nerves or muscles. It's so important to have that. Um, 
But again, it's the consciousness of, is this on, is, is this in your life? Is this an important thing for you to have right up there with how do I make a living right up there with where are my investments? If you have investments, are you watching them or not? That's pretty critical thing. So you pay attention to those things because they're important to you. They're important to you and your family. They're important to you being able to have choices going further in the future. Some of you are probably very well off, so you probably can't really quite relate to that other than it's an academic statement that I just gave you. Others are very much into it and, and others are not even at the level of having much in the way of savings. As the story started with this person, a friend of mine who died and the family now has to raise burial expenses, they were pretty much not about saving. And not many cultures were, by the way. You know, um, not to speak badly of Polynesians, but you could pick a number of cultures in which you lived on the day to day. You didn't have to bank for retirement. It was there. You had your extended relationships, your families. They were rich. You ate together. You played together. You worked together. It was part of who you were. And that was the context. It was every day that that was another day was your retirement. It wasn't really retirement. It was the ambitiousness of all your excitement and life juices going into the next day because you met these people, you did the things together. We don't have that. We are very disconnected and we are struggling as people. I'm speaking now collectively in the West. We're struggling now to gather kind of this network of meaning, of relationships, of understanding what we need to eat in a place of very highly processed foods of very highly separated foods from the context of where these foods grew up in, be them animal or be them plant. And so the consciousness of a friend of mine who died because he didn't take care of himself and he had all the comorbidities. You know, he was just ready to ready to be visited by the virus. And if it ever happened, it would not go well. I'm not saying that we knew he would die, but it was very clear he would have a tough time with any virus, with any flu, be it Omicron or COVID or any of the intermittent variants that are there. So that was obvious. We knew that. And most people pretty much know that now. The question is, how can you activate the consciousness to create a desire for such people to want to make a change. It's very easy in this last couple of years, for sure, to be depressed, to be despondent, to not care, to think more of suicide and, and what you don't have and what other people do have. It's just a very dark well to go down, especially for children who that are boxed in at home and Sometimes it works out well, and sometimes it's just mayhem and too much. You know, who stays home to take care of these kids, et cetera, et cetera. So where do we intervene? It's kind of like crime in the sense that many people choose not to report the screaming of the couple next door or down the road because it's just one more annoyance and let it run its course until you hear about it has a very negative outcome. Um, and, and that kind of situation has been written about, oh, for the last hundred years of not being involved. Well, I don't expect you to be a savior all the time. So I guess where I'm boiling all this down to knowing that um, COVID 
in Omicron, or the Delta variant, whatever these different ones are, affect those who are metabolically not well, or that are metabolically struggling, and it's going to be hard for them. So it's not so much of just telling them, hey, buddy, you ought to drop the carbs. Hey, buddy, you ought to not do the Mountain Dew as much as you're doing. It's basically, how do you get into that place in them where they can have something to hope for? Because usually when people are not taking care of themselves, it's about a much deeper depression, a much deeper negativism that they just don't feel that they have anything to hope for. So the gradual gradual self-induced self-destruction is part of that. And it's hard to get to that connection with that person. I think that it's important to for those who are listening to this and believe in this value is to be an expression of who you want to be, be an expression. And then what that means, obviously, in this health channel, in this keto naturopath channel, is to be a representative of that health of your diet. It works for you and people see that something's happening. I have a neighbor here who says, I want to know where, what, how Carl stays so healthy. I'm 65 and I think he's 65 now too. And he comes over every so often and I say, well, I go to the gym, you know, just a few days a week and uh, this is what we do. And um, he still comes over and says this, he's not a smoker or a drinker, so it's not one of those things. Um, then he really would is interested, but he doesn't want to do the work to engage in that. Um, and I believe since he sees me and then sees my wife, and I think he knows our stories, that it's a deeper depression with him. I don't know how it is with his family and his kids and so on and so forth, but if they were all joyful, he'd be really, really impelled to take care of himself as he would take care of his car, as he would take care of his house. He would take care of himself because he wants to be around and he doesn't want to be a burden on his kids. He wants to be engaged in his kids. He wants to be part of their community as much as possible. So what this particular podcast is, yes, is somewhat extemporaneous. It wasn't planned out, but it's, there are people around you that are watching you in a positive sense Um, take care of yourself or not take care of yourself. Some of those people are your sons and daughters. Others are your siblings. Perhaps others are older generations, but it's more of the, of the, your generation and the generations after you, because I do believe it's in part our responsibility to have, to invest in the subsequent generations, the younger generations and say, there is work that needs to be done about taking care of your health. It doesn't just happen. And unfortunately, there's so many destructive foods out there that you have to, if it's within your conversational powers, to say that is not a good thing to have. That is a bad thing. They will remember whatever you say, believe it or not. A year later, five years later, a decade later, it comes back. I can remember things back in grade school, first first grade, even before, um, and they stay with you and they're going to remember that example. Remember that guy? Maybe he's the uncle or the brother or the whoever is like, oh, he went to the gym and took care of himself. Huh? Why are they, why do they look different than the other people their age? Or maybe they just don't think you're that age and you're 20 years younger. So there is a responsibility on us. It's incumbent on us to be representative of what we believe in. And part of what we believe in is how we live our lives in terms of health. 
We have to stop making excuses not to go work out. If you're listening to this podcast to be healthy, then these are decisions you have to make. The decision you make and people see that you are making them for yourself. For yourself. It's not about ego. It's about responsibility to what you got when you came into this world and keeping it working as best as possible without being so eccentric and so anal about the whole thing, right? You get the big picture. You know what to do. You don't need to go through four years of of four years of medical school to understand what you need to do. So with that short message, I want to basically just read you something that was a post that I put in our Facebook group um, about this. It was kind of an off-color Facebook group in a way, uh, post. And here's what I said, and I think it's worth reading out loud. I lost a friend to COVID these last few weeks, just when we all thought the worst of it had passed us by, like, a, like the last soldier to die in a war after the end of the hostilities, but before it was declared officially over. We had all, he had all the comorbidities big time in addition to having ethnic predisposition to obesity and diabetes by being Samoan. He lived in a different context of life from mine, followed a different norm, and now was le- leaving a different legacy as well. At 49, five kids, loving wife, the virus came to him. The virus found him. I write this here now because spreading the knowledge of metabolic health, which is what we're really talking about, is not a fad, but life-saving information. Should you choose to use it, it really is. It is on our shoulders to become healthier and to teach, show our children and friends that it is possible and it is a value worth striving for forever to be healthy. My hope is that you never use or see keto as a fad to lose weight only. It is so much more than that. Life is something which we have a personal responsibility to appreciate, to respect, and to learn how to be better for ourselves. Our health is part of that learning. I wish my friend felt that way. Each to their own. As they say, many are called and few are chosen. So on that note, it's short tonight to talk about these things, but I think it's important. Just a moment of reflection. Take care, y'all. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcam again for a brief reminder of something I completely forget to do at the end of every episode. You've heard me talk long enough in many different episodes, but what I would love you to do, and many of you have already done this, I just want to reinforce this particular behavior, which is to send me your questions. Send me your questions and anything you have about keto. If there's something that I don't know, I will look it up. And if it's something that intrigues me, I will probably make an episode, uh, a podcast about that particular topic. So what you need to do is to send me your questions at drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. So that's D-R-G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P at K-E-T-O-N-A-T-U-R-O. P-A-T-H.com, Dr. Goldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. 
Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also ketonaturopath.com. That's been growing lately. You also have to answer a questionnaire should you choose to join. And I don't ask for your email. I ask that you follow our terms. I try to avoid uh, advertising and uh, the obvious interruptions of just a good Facebook group. So hope to see you at one place or other. Please send me your questions and uh, look forward to talking to you and getting to know you. Take care.